At the moment, what we understand is that they have said that law societies can deny our graduates the ability to be called to the bar in those provinces. Uh, but beyond that, we'll have to examine the judgment more carefully. As the voice of Janet Epp Buckingham, she's a political studies professor, administrator with Trinity Western University. They lost their court case today. Trinity Western is a private evangelical Christian school out of Langley, British Columbia. They've been around for decades. They run a teacher's college. Uh, Their teacher's college was challenged when they set that up in the 90s. They won at the Supreme Court. Today, the Supreme Court decided, well, everything's changed because it's 2018, and said that, no, their law school students don't have to be accredited. Howard Anglin joins me on the line now. He is the executive director of the Canadian Constitution Foundation, uh, former top advisor to Prime Minister Stephen Harper, and a lawyer that's practiced in Canada, the UK, and the United States. He knows the law well. Howard, thanks for the time. Always a pleasure, Brian. Do um, do I go too far in saying that the, the Supreme Court decided their previous judgments don't apply and that it's 2018, so everything's different? Well, of course, they wouldn't put it in those terms, but uh, the way they would put it is uh, the decisions of the Teachers Federation in BC are made pursuant to a statute that governs teachers' federations, whereas the decisions to accredit lawyers are made under the language of a different statute that governs law societies and that the language is slightly different and the law societies are allowed to take into consideration broader concerns than just the um, the, the competency of graduates of a law school. They can also consider uh, broader social issues uh, when they decide who should become a member of the bar. So was this a legal decision this morning or a social science decision this morning? Um, I would... I would say it was neither. It was a bad legal decision, uh, which imports a lot of social values into the back door uh, while ignoring clear written charter rights that were even the court admitted were being violated in this case, the religious freedom rights of Trinity Western University and its students. So they admitted that the charter rights, the religious freedom rights of the school, of the students, are violated by these decisions to say we will not have the... Um, uh, we will not grant admission to the bar for graduates of this law school. That's a violation of the charter rights, but they say it can go on. Why? Well, that's a good question. So what? They, so I agree with you. They, they they found a clear violation. The majority agreed that the rights of these of the law school and the students were being violated. Um, but then they said, well, the province of Ontario and the province of British Columbia, which are the two provinces. In dispute, all all the other provinces have have said that the graduates could be admitted in their in their jurisdictions. These were the two that said they couldn't, and they said the law societies in these two jurisdictions um, have a broad delegated power to determine who is qualified to be a uh, a lawyer in the, in those provinces, and that they exercise that power to balance the uh, deprivation limitation of a charter right religious freedom on the one hand, with, on the other hand, broader social values like equality and inclusion, etc. And that if the law societies felt that in order to have a broadly equal and inclusive bar, they needed to violate the religious freedoms and religious rights of Trinity Western University, well, on balance, the Supreme Court said the law societies are allowed to do that. 
Uh, hold on. By uh, to encourage diversity will exclude some people. Uh, <laughs> oh. I'm I'm sorry, but the yes. that, that that famous line from the Princess Bride is running through my mind. <laughs> you keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Well, exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of topsy turviness in this decision. Um, it and for the when, the first time I read it, I was trying to get my head around what really troubled me about it, and I finally figured it out. It completely turns the idea of the charter on its head. Now, the intent of the charter is, uh, or was, that in a pluralist live and let live society, um, minorities uh, who might be uh, unpopular or might be subject to coercion by the state um, have a have a measure of protection. That's what charter right is. It's your right not and, to be interfered with by the government. And, and let's be frank, that would include both gays and lesbians, but also yeah. in this day and age, practicing it, evangelical Christians. Yes, or religious, uh, orthodox religious believers of any faith. Uh, more. Um, so the idea of the charter is to protect private citizens and private institutions who might otherwise be subject to state coercion. And in this case, the Supreme Court completely reversed that, and they said a private religious institution, instead of having the protection of the state, instead of the state having to accommodate itself to that minority, that minority now has to accommodate itself to the social values of the majority. Uh, so, and it actually, it's pretty galling, it actually used the language of what it calls charter values, which are these amorphous, nebulous, undefined concepts that the court yeah. well, okay we, we have charter rights they're enumerated in the charter yes. uh what the hell are charter values sorry for being so blunt and and not using the language of the court howard but what the hell are charter values well i've been uh, less blunt in private uh <laughs> when it comes up charter values is the court's way of imposing social values that the individual justices may favor that aren't actually uh, enumerated rights in the charter. So they're uh, pulling it out of their behinds? More or less, yeah. Okay. Um, and so as long as I know. Worse, what's worse is they, they put them on a par with the actual enumerated charter rights, which are fundamental rights like freedom of speech, freedom of expression, freedom of religion. They put these broader values like inclusivity or um, equality as they define it, which is more or less the quality of outcomes rather than equality of opportunity. They put these on a par with the actual written values in the charter. And in this case, they went even further and said, in some cases, those can actually trump the actual written charter rights. So in this case, these broad social progressive values uh, can justify a uh, violation of an actual charter, enumerated charter right. Uh, so it, it's a complete inversion of the idea of the charter. The state's supposed to accommodate itself to unpopular minorities, which in this case is Trinity Western University and Evangelical Christian University. But instead they said, no, the university has to accommodate itself to society, even though, as you know, Brian, the charter doesn't actually apply to private institutions. It only applies to the state and the state's actions. I, I'm not surprised that Justice Wagner would be on side with this. By the way, perhaps the worst Supreme Court appointment your former boss, Stephen Harper, ever made. Um, because he, uh, when he was on the Quebec uh, Court of Appeal, he ruled against Loyola, and then the Supreme Court overturned that. He is an opponent of religious freedom based on his judicial record. He does not like it. He does not want it. 
and his judicial record on that is clear. But to have all these other justices, thank goodness there were two dissenting justices, uh, Brown and Cote, um, it leaves me wondering whether they value freedom of religion, which is supposed to be protected by the Charter. Yep, it's one of the very first enumerated rights. It's described as a fundamental right. It has been a fundamental right underpinning a free society everywhere that there has been a free society, as we understand it. And I think you're right. I think these justices at heart don't take freedom of religion, at least freedom of religion when it expresses itself in a way that they don't like. I don't think they take it as seriously as they do a lot of other rights. Um, I think it's become a second-class right. By the way, your your former boss did make some good Supreme Court uh, appointments, by the way. Stephen Harper didn't make only bad ones. But I'm just I, – since I he appointed Wagner and, and I'd followed the Loyola case, I've just mm-hmm. – I've watched this man and and I knew which side he'd come down on this before even reading the decision. Howard, can we take a quick break and come back to you? Because of course. Because I, I want to ask you about you, – you did a very long Twitter thread today and you talked about – the fact that this is just an administrative body that's going to be held to a lower standard than legislations or legislatures uh, when it comes to if they can infringe fundamental freedom. So Howard England from the Canadian Constitution Foundation uh, will join us after this quick break. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. be resistance. You're listening to Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. We've been talking about the Supreme Court decision in Trinity Western University and their attempt to get a law school. One of the arguments put forward by the or, or not the argument, the way that the Supreme Court arrived at their decision, they have these different tests that they put arguments from each side through. And reading Howard Anglin's Twitter feed this morning, Howard, you were talking about the Doré test. They're using this to arrive at their conclusion. Tell us what the Doré test is and why this matters, because this is the part that should really, even if you don't like Trinity Western University, even if you are a full-throated, you, you hate evangelicals, full-throated, you know, hey, let's, you know, march, everyone has to march in parade. We're going to, everyone is forced to march in the pride parade. This should still bother you. Absolutely. And I apologize in advance to your listeners. This gets a little arcane legally, but this this involves something called the standard of review. And the standard of review is basically how deferential the court will be when it reviews a decision by a first decision maker. So in this case, the law society. So when the law society decided that it would not accredit graduates of Trinity Western University, then when the court is reviewing that decision, it has to decide how deferential it's going to be to the decision maker. Is it going to apply what's called a reasonableness standard, which just says, eh, as long as the decision maker considered the right factors and came out with a a decision that's sort of broadly on the spectrum of what might be a reasonable decision, we'll we'll let it stand. Or are they going to apply a, a, in the U.S., it's called strict scrutiny. Here it's called correctness. 
are they going to really go in and say, okay, we're going to look at what the violation of the right was. We're going to see if the decision uh, to violate the right um, was absolutely necessary. Was it uh, uh, was it uh, in furtherance of a compelling justification? Is it the narrowest possible restriction on the right? Is it proportional to the violation of the right? It's a much uh, more searching uh, review of the decision. And what this really means in practice is if you apply a reasonableness standard, it's much closer to the court's rubber stamping the decision. If you apply the correctness standard, then the court really reconsiders the whole question anew. And so there's been for decades uh, back and forth on the court about how deferential courts should be to the decisions of administrative bodies. They're not State. deferential to Parliament at all, no, so why should no. they be deferential to administrative bodies? Exactly. So the, the rationale originally, and I'm simplifying this, the rationale originally was when Parliament de- delegates some sort of decision-making power to an administrative body, or when the legislature of a province does that, we don't want to second-guess every decision they make. So a decision by a zoning commission in a city as to whether to approve a zoning change or not. We don't need the courts to go in and relitigate that whole issue. We'll, we'll generally defer to these decision makers. But what's been new in the last few years, and this is what the Doré test is, is it applies that deferential reasonableness standard to even decisions that violate your charter rights. So when an administrative body, whether it's a human rights tribunal or a professional regulatory body, as it was in this case, when they violate your charter rights, in the old days, the court would have said, okay, those bodies have no special expertise in determining charter rights, so we're going to do a deep dive in their decision and make sure this was actually justified. Under the Doré decision a few years ago, the court decided, no, no, we're also going to defer largely to the decisions of administrative bodies, even when those decisions involve a violation of your charter rights. Um, so, so is there, a, there is it, a, it's a dilution of, of the charter protection when the charter is being violated by an administrative body. So a, a, an organization that isn't a legislature, such as a law society, right. could be a teacher's college, it could be yep. a medical board, yep. anything that has... A, human rights tribunals. Human rights tribunals. Any of them, <laughs> they will violate your human rights. Um, any of this, any of these bodies will be held to a lower standard for violating my rights than parliament or a provincial legislature. Yeah. That's that's, asinine. That's that's exactly right. It's it's asinine. It's also perverse because those bodies, as you know, are far less accountable. Uh, So they would never defer to parliament, which is actually elected and accountable uh, to the people, when parliament passes a statute that violates your rights. That's reviewed under the higher correctness standard, always. Whereas now, if it's an unelected, unaccountable bureaucratic body that's violating your rights, and then you go to a court to complain about it, the court's going to, in a lot of cases, now shrug their shoulders and go, eh, it's a deferential standard of review. Um, so it really, it's a victory for the administrative state. It's a victory for bureaucrats. Uh, it gives them a lot more leeway to and it's not a consider loss for your every... charter rights when they apply their decision. It's a loss for every single citizen. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I think you were right in saying this isn't really about a victory for LGBTQ rights or not. It's nobody today is has a right to do something that they didn't have the right to do yesterday. It's not it's not like when the court found 
a right to abortion or a right to gay marriage or a right to to physician-assisted death. Like, it's not that kind of decision. It's a decision about how much deference the courts will give to administrative bodies when they violate your rights. And they decided we're going to be quite deferential to those decisions. And that should worry any civil libertarian. It should worry anybody that cares about charter rights protections, not just freedom of religion, but also freedom of speech or expression. Uh, we already have another case that we're getting involved with where a nurses association has told a nurse that she can't talk about uh, the, what she thought was poor care uh, received by her grandfather at a palliative care facility. Oh, I, I heard about this one. Yeah. So they're violating her right to free speech. She posted a very neutral Facebook new, post. Yeah, Facebook post about what she thought was inadequate care that her grandfather received at a Saskatchewan facility. And the nurse's body fined her. And under this, if this sort of analysis is applied to that decision, uh, that means the nurse's disciplinary, disciplinary body can okay. violate her speech rights. And when it's reviewed by a court, it's going to be under a deferential standard where a lot of the times the courts are just going to rubber stamp it. Um, so yeah, that's right. a, and that's a speech example. So even if you don't like Trinity Western, you might like a nurse who's complaining about treatment for a grandfather. Howard, I got to leave it there, but thank you so much for your time tonight, your insights. And if you want to see more of what Howard's been writing, I've tweeted out his Twitter thread from this morning, but go and read his latest tweets as well. Uh, Howard Anglin from the Canadian Constitution Foundation. Thanks so much, my friend. Thank you very much, Brian. All right. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. When we come back... Did you hear what Donald Trump said about Justin Trudeau this morning with his Fox News interview? Yeah, we'll bring you that, and we'll talk to Jeffrey Johnston from the Kingston Wake Standard about this special relationship. The leader of the unofficial opposition, Brian Lilly, is on your side. Beyond the News on News Talk 580 CFRA.